feel that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on the most experimental station in the whole wide nation. I'm your host, Abdullah Al Ma'wali, and tonight I got a special guest. He's special because of the history that we have together. But he's also special in many other ways that you probably are going to find out today. I got Muhammad Al-Tamami in the house. Say hello. Hey, hi, Abdullah. Uh, and hello, Muscat. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, man. I guess it makes sense to start out with just going back to when we first met. Do you remember when we first met? Uh, so clearly. It's actually one of the reasons I'm here today in the show. How's that? It's uh, it's kind of cute and <laughs> ironic, you know. You're all grown up now. You got a beard and everything. <laughs> but, uh, Do be like that sometimes, you uh, know. <laughs> but, but I remember. I remember knowledge, Arman. Isn't that the the the, the starting point? Yeah, but uh-huh. what I distinctly remember is how I was introduced to you, right? Okay, okay. how was that? Uh, first of all, I was about 17 at the time, I think 16 or 17. Yeah, just 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 about. And you just came back from college. Yeah. So you must have been in your early 20s. I should have been around 23, 24 yeah, at the time. We're a five years difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was being introduced to you, uh, uh, along with Tariq Barwani at the time, we were all the, you know, uh, the founding members of uh, what uh, what everybody probably knows as Knowledge Aman today. Mm. And I remember I was being introduced to you as, you know, a blogger, right? And remember back then, you know, uh, bloggers, <laughs> it was something new, hip, and pretty oh, yeah. sexy too, right? A blogspot, man. I remember <laughs> blogspot. I think it's still around, by the uh, way. Actually, I think Google killed uh, blogspot as a product. But I've seen somebody who has a blogspot uh, URL. Uh, maybe one of those nostalgic folks, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so, 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 coming back to it, and I was being introduced to you, and then when I uh, I, I got to know you, mm. uh, and at the time, uh, one of the reasons uh, you were a really great candidate for knowledge Oman was uh, because when you had your blog be in Oman dot com. Yeah, uh, being Oman, right? Right, <laughs> and uh, there was at the time there was this really viral story that uh, its conversation and dialogue kind of landed on uh, on your blog at the time. Oh my and god, you're, was, go- you're gonna bring it up? Yeah, I mean <laughs> uh, that was probably one of the largest PR crises uh, the Omani government faced at the time. We had uh, a disgruntled ex-employee of the Royal Cavalry. Uh, am I pronouncing yeah, that right? Royal Cavalry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I always have a tough time with that word. Cavalry. Cavalry. I'm Hassan. So, so, I'm, so. At the time, some ex-disgruntled employee who was dismissed uh, had some issues uh, and started um, making uh, false claims about the... So this is what I remember. I can Ill- tell you what I remember. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, so th- there was a this British guy. Uh, I kind of remember his name, but I'd rather not say it. Apparently, um, he left the Royal Cavalry and went back to the UK and started uh, posting disparaging posts about the cavalry, about mistreatment of animals. And um, he even made huge posters, massive posters, and he put it in like uh, horse racing competitions for people to see. And there are so so much that went into the story that I cannot, for sure, cannot mention in the radio. 
but I remember I blogged about it and the Royal Cavalry decided, uh, I don't know how they got my contact, but they decided to contact me. This, like, they, they, they said, oh, we're treating the horses badly. Why don't you come yourself and see? And what I learned there from what I remember was that um, a lot of the pictures that this guy was posting, which is apparently the mistreatment of horses, w- was taken right after Guno. Right, which is his method of skewing the truth at the yeah. time, right? And he said he didn't get paid and all that stuff. And I saw documents with signatures and I did a three-part series. So this was 16 years old, 17 years old. I was freaking out that oh, I didn't even understand why they were giving me all this access. <laughs> <laughs> But what came out of it was a three-part series that blew up because some forum picked it up and uh, I remember you were I was able to go and see where all the views are coming from and it was some forum British forum and uh, essentially the blog was used as a counter argument to this guy's argument against the narrative that he was trying yeah. to establish. and it just died out uh, that story that guy's claims never went anywhere it was like the blog served as the khalas that's the answer to that issue And it was yeah yeah for me that was like some you know great uh, why did, why investigative did you, <laughs> journalism you know why did you bring it up though I'm curious it's it's just because re- as you said that was so long ago you were 17 right and yeah. uh, you know here here you are now interviewing me in your <laughs> studio at uh, you know Aman FM so you know that's pretty cool let's let's do a Quentin Tarantino and break the chronological order of this conversation let's let's go to what do you do now and then we move backwards awesome so right now i'm a co-founder and chief commercial officer Mm -hmm. of a young and upcoming startup in the financial technology space Mm -hmm. and uh, what we essentially do we embed uh, financial and banking capabilities into third-party applications so fintech and uh... exactly or or what we like to call it at the office funtech Okay. <laughs> right. Um, How are we, you guys going about it? Well, it really started uh, a couple of years ago, actually, um, when uh, when me and my brother had uh, a little cup of coffee. Uh, we were just selling some businesses that we were involved in at the time. We had some car wash chain, and we were involved into all kinds of things. Oh, like, I remember that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, um, And we were like, you know, let's go back and focus uh, on our core. And uh, at the time, uh, my brother and co-founder and uh, CEO of Ma'amun Saleh Tamami said, look, dude, fintech is uh, is what we need to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and odd enough, a week later from that conversation, we had to compete with uh, some, some reasonably large companies uh, to look after a certain uh, fintech service at one of the telco operators. I'm assuming you can't mention names and all this. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Plus, why give them free uh, <laughs> ad, uh, ad time, you know? Yeah, you guys can reach out to us if you want to advertise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we were. Uh, I remember, like, we lowballed everybody because mm. that was our foot in the door, mm. right? I mean, you don't break into an industry overnight, right? Yeah. And that was, that was in 2011, right? Uh, 2011 to 2012. This is when the idea of fintech came about? At yeah. 2011? Yeah. And, wow. And Ma'amun was just founded uh, 24 months ago, right? But we, we started building our tech or ideas from back then. Mm. 
And um, God bless that opportunity because that's uh, where we met our uh, uh, co-founder and partner and chief technology officer, Mr. Ahmed Al-Isai. And if you're listening, bro, I love you, man. It was uh, love at first sight since then, you know? Uh, and uh, that's when we started, you know, um, getting to know each other. So the founding team knew each other for many years mm. until we really started uh, putting our ideas together. And that was in 2018 into 2019. What is, what is it that you're selling? What does the business do exactly? What service is it providing? Right. So it's, it's not one of those apps you could uh, immediately uh, download on your phone, mm. right? But it's an infrastructural uh, platform. Okay. Uh, it actually serves finance companies. It could uh, serve banks. Uh, it could serve uh, third-party applications, mm-hmm. right? Often enough, in a lot of third... Um, we, we like to say that everybody is a fintech. They just don't know it yet. And that's the case. If you look at... Uh, I mean, I think some of the best examples is uh, Uber, Right, mm-hmm. oh. or or taxi, or, 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 or taxi, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, these are ecosystems, and it has a lot of participants in it. You know, the the drivers, the customers. So there is, uh, you know, uh, payments is we look at payments as a mere feature mm-hmm. relative to what uh, Moon can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is more to financial uh, technologies than mere payments, right? So you provide services for companies in the back end. Exactly. But what is the service? Exactly. So let's take uh, let's take the O-Taxi uh, example. And I'm a big fan of uh, the founder, Harith Al-Muqbali. I think he's a, he's a national hero with, uh, with what he has pulled off with O-Taxi. Perhaps a conversation for another day. Okay. But when you, when you, look, at, uh, when you look at taxi drivers today, mm-hmm. right? Their average taxi driver could be working as a security guard. Heck. Even here in the ministry, at least three or four of the security guards moonlight as cab drivers, right? Now, your normal banker or your average bank will only consider uh, your pay slip from the institution that you work for. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'll be actually surprised. Uh, and if you speak to any cab driver, it will be very easy to immediately learn that they augment their income, which makes a huge difference in their livelihood mm-hmm. through what they earn um, as taxi drivers, right? Sure. And that additional income will never be considered by any banking institution. Right. Right, relative to access to credit products and other services. Mm-hmm. And we kind of help put that data uh, for anyone who works with us mm-hmm. uh, into good use. So we bring the banks and the financial institutions uh, much more closer to their customers. And we do that with third-party applications. So that could be even enterprise resource planning uh, software that the large companies are using. Many of them don't have that banking layer for them to carry out transactions. Oh, okay, so it's meant for institutions in that way. Yeah, so in, in, in the case of when I say third-party applications, yeah. that could be companies that have software that looks after their uh, their business, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, other startups like uh, uh, Taxi or many, many others that are out there that okay. have ecosystems uh, within them or marketplaces like uh, uh, two-sided e-commerce platforms. Okay, theoretically, I think I understand what you're saying, but can you give me a practical example without naming names of how that would look like in real life? So we, we, we are really proud of uh, uh, one of our partnerships in Saudi Arabia, and I think we're the first fintech uh, 
to export uh, Omani fintech technology to uh, wow. to another country. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, and it's uh, with with great partners, and I uh, have no reservations in uh, uh, in mentioning them. Uh, they're known as Foodix. So this is a company that uses uh, third-party applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Foodix provides a point-of-sale software for restaurants and cafes. Okay. And no different from taxi drivers, uh, restaurants and cafes also need access to credit products, you know, mm-hmm. uh, soft loans, coffee machine broke this week. We need some quick cash to get it replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard for, uh, and it's not seamless enough today, for banks uh, and financial institutions to provision that uh, needed credit mm. without being able to look at uh, the performance of that given branch. I mean, you could be an owner of three branches of, you know, uh, Abdullah's crazy karak shops, right? Right. But one branch performs better than the other. And that represents, uh, that data tells us a, li- a little bit more about the credit risk associated with that given branch. And that makes it much easier for uh, financial companies uh, to uh, to make these credit decisions. So what does that entail to Foodex, for example? What do you provide Foodex? So we provide the AI that does the augmentation and the profiling of that data oh. and the orchestration uh, of uh, of these transactions. So there is a lot that goes into making a credit decision. I don't know if you've taken a loan from a bank any oh, yeah. time recently, right? Not recently, but... Yeah. But uh, yeah. we all know the mountain of paperwork and the back and forth drives that we have to do to the branches and calling our cousin <laughs> to facilitate and all of that. Well, actually, the last time I took a loan was as simple as using the app. Mm-hmm. And it just came into my account not uh, too long after. Because they already have all the data, so... Absolutely. But that's not uh, necessarily the same um, with small businesses uh, globally, locally, and regionally. Yeah. Right. So there, there remains uh, remain challenges, and for financial institutions and banks, uh, they always need access to better data. Mm. Right. That's packaged in a way that will help them make uh, certain decisions. Right. Okay, that was that was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like that's you reached the threshold of my understanding of this world. You know, fintech again. I'm surprised that you've been considering this since 2011 because that wasn't even a term used back then. Uh, the word fintech, it's relatively new. But I guess we can go back back to that time. Mm. Um, what I'm interested in, and I think a lot of people listening to this would be interested in, uh, is uh, Muhammad Tamami, uh, the person, the journey, um, where he was and how he got to where he is today. Now, just knowing you on a personal level, you're a really interesting guy. Um, to add to that, there is this video on my Instagram <laughs> of your Malka, and that video blew up, and it blew up because you are an interesting guy to watch. You're very honest. Uh, you you don't hide things. What you think is in your mouth, and uh, you basically what you say in that video is what a lot of guys probably would think but wouldn't say. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and so I want to explore that if you don't mind, and maybe in the way we can explore our friendship as well, you know, so 
you come back to Malaysia. That was, I'm assuming, 2007, 2008, correct? Yeah, just about. Funny enough, that was uh, the year my brother, my elder brother, was getting married. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what did you study there? So I studied uh, advertising, multimedia, and broadcasting. Okay. With a major in media planning and strategy. Yeah. And I remember I had flunked everything in my college where I, I, I was studying in Dubai and I hated it. It was business and IT. And I came back and then I met you and you told me about this magical place in a land far, far away called Malaysia. <laughs> and this magical place was Limcock Wing University. And you just graduated from that university and you showed me the website and I looked at it. And I'm like, this is it. This is where I want to go. And at that point... I had, because I flunked everything, my parents made it seem, or my mom particularly, made it seem like halas. No, lo- no more college for Abdullah. I thought that's it, gonna find a job somewhere. And it's her right, I really wasted all of her money, and I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Ma. <laughs> um, but Dubai was really expensive, and this magical place in Malaysia was not. So I had a pitch. Right. <laughs> I remember I stayed at your crappy apartment in Chinatown or whatever that was uh, some point visiting. And so I pitched it and it, after a while it went through. And so I ended up studying in the same university in which you graduated from, which, by the way, they're not accredited anymore. Do you know that? Yeah. But <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what happened. They used to be. They used to do very well. Um, I, I, may he rest in peace, Tan City, by the way. I think... With COVID and what COVID has taught us, uh, accreditation of education is a is a very is a is a concept of the past. Education is is education, whether it's under a tree or uh, at a bus stop. You know, I agree with that being in the in the art field because I really and also lately we've been hiring and I've noticed that I it does not matter to me at all what the CV says. What matters is the work, um, the portfolio, and the person, how the person handles themselves. How do they think? How do they react to diff- little tests? And that degree, at least for this field, isn't as relevant, in my opinion. But what makes you say that? You're from a totally different field than I am. It's, uh, it's funny you ask that. So, uh, I'm a high school dropout, right? Uh, I always struggled at school. Uh, never paid much attention, but I guarantee you that since I was a teenager, I attended every comics exhibition that has ever happened, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and actually a lot of my good colleagues, a lot of my clients and my employers are people I met all the way back then when, you know, when they were not CEOs of whatever, mm. right? Um, so I was very challenged in school. Uh, and... I think I, I failed like twice, you know? Mm. And ironically, my dad is an educationist, you know? Uh, How is he doing? I haven't seen him in forever. He's, he's, he's doing very well. He's yeah. traveling at the moment. Okay. And I, I never forget the day uh, uh, he proposed that, Mohammed, you know what? Mm. I think you should drop out. Cause he proposed it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I'll also never forget this interview he once had on uh, on Aman FM, mm. uh, where he said something within the following lines. I could never forget that day because, to me, that was him uh, representing what he believed in. And he said, uh, 
education could uh, could happen under a tree at a bus stop it could happen in a university in china or the states or the uk or malaysia mm. so you know education is a very fluid concept and there is no uh, one singular way of attaining it mm-hmm. and uh, hmm, two years later uh, he actually you know uh, uh, helped me make the decision that uh, you know this is not working for you Could could we spend some time here? I never actually asked you about this. What exactly happened back then that uh, that got to this point that you had to leave? Uh, that your dad had to recommend that you leave uh, high I, I, school? I was basically failing everything uh, in school. Uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly Sharif at Mecca. You know, كنت واقد صايع أخي إيش أقول لك؟ Okay. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps I needed, you know. Uh, some certain assistance back then, right? Yeah. And uh, do you remember what motivated you back then? What got you excited? What What were you actually interested in? I, you know, when I look back, I go like, if I was good at physics, you know, I could have been like a, a biochemical engineer right now, or you know, a robotic engineer. I really loved science. Scientists as a kid, I really loved robotics. <laughs> you know. Uh, And then, you know, dad uh, goes like, uh, I think you need to go explore whatever you're into. And uh, one of the best gifts uh, dad ever gave me, and I remember, I can't forget the year, was 1994 or 95, okay. right? Uh, and that was way before I had to deal with high school and stuff, right? I got my first computer. It was a Unisys from Zawawi Business Machines. Could never forget that. Um, you know, with a dial-up connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and that was uh, love at first sight. Often you'll hear me say, uh, you know, the internet saved my life, right? Because there's so much that I learned independently on the internet and perhaps contributed to my distraction with school, you know? <laughs> perhaps there is a symbiotic relationship there. I don't know, you know, now that I think about it. Oh, Probably. Makes sense, you know? <laughs> um, and... Uh, So I, I, I dropped out of school, you know, that was like 2001, 2002. Yeah. So I had to spend like a good two, uh, two and a half years uh, working all kinds of odd jobs in the IT industry, mm. uh, from technical roles to, uh, uh, to, to sales roles, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll never, uh, and then I, I remember watching this, uh, reading this ad, right, about this university. And when I looked it up online, it seemed really cool, right? I was like, this, this feels like a school that could understand me. Yeah. Uh, I attended the presentation. It was at the uh, Radisson Sass Hotel. Could never forget that second floor. I just forget the ballroom. Hmm. So I'm there, you know, I'm at the back uh, of uh, the, you know, the presentation room. And uh, here there were these two Chinese ladies, you know, giving a presentation about the university. Mm-hmm. And I was a little embarrassed, right? Because they had all these high school graduates there, you know, really intrigued and interested. And I was there with my little mini portfolio of the little kind of work that I've done uh, in, in journalism for Oman Observer at the time. I did some stuff with them okay. uh, for one of their great publications at the time, the Youth Observer. And uh, so I'm there. And after everybody left, I go up to, you know, the Chinese ladies, you know, hmm. and I'm like, listen. got this portfolio, but you know, I'm a high school dropout, you know, I, I borderline whisper that, right? <laughs> uh, but I really want to get into your university. <laughs> and uh, and uh, 
that woman's name was uh, Puan Siri Limkokwing. At the time, I didn't know that. <gasps> That's his daughter? That was uh, his uh, ex-wife. Oh. Right? Uh, and she tells me, listen, young man, the founder of our university, the fa- Limkokwing, Mm. Or Tansiri Limcock, we may uh, his soul rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away uh, recently. Uh, well, about a year or two years ago. Yeah, twenty twenty yeah. July. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Um, that he, as a founder of the university and a decorated businessman and a great advisor to the government of Malaysia, mm-hmm. in every every president that comes into Malaysia or takes a prime minister's office seeks counsel of this gentleman. Mm-hmm. That he too was a high school dropout. Ooh. And he started his career as a cartoonist. I got my acceptance right there on the spot. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a conditional acceptance. Okay. But what still, was the, you know. What was the condition? Uh, it's more like, you know, a liability thing for them, really. Yeah, like send in paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and uh, I got accepted. And uh, it's... And at the time, I was going for a degree in e-commerce. And, and just like you, I kind of, you know. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then uh, once I was at the campus, I, you know, I discovered, you know, advertising, media, and just seemed like it's so much more fun. Mm. Right? So I, uh, I learned a very important lesson at that moment, really, that it's okay to change your mind. Right. And uh, I, I switched to that degree. Not and, only is it okay, it's probably expected how do you expect a kid essentially 17 18 years old to know exactly where the the next few years of their life is heading i feel like very few people are that lucky most people are just stumbling on you know just hoping for the best you know it's like i think i'm supposed to be a doctor yeah but you know what really hurts me that i i still see that we're not we're not guiding enough young people to make these choices for themselves, right? There is still a kind of social constructs surrounding what you, what you need to study or what you need to be, you know? Right. And uh, and perhaps, you know, we, we could get it right with the next generation or our own children. Well, what's, what's wrong and how do we get it right? Is it like we're, we're not asking uh, teenagers to make their own choices? Or is it that, you know, parents are just concerned and they don't want their kids to take big risks and they want them to have a good career, you know? Because uh, and I don't think there is this intentional malice, you know, that takes place. It's just Perhaps you're right. Perhaps I am a bit traumatized and significantly <laughs> critical, right? Um, yeah. But no, I think uh, when I think back to that moment where Dad was in the car when I I, I left uh, the Rubra school with my uh, my my dip, well not diploma my shahada ta'afkil shay rasib ahmar rahmar 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 and uh, Dad in the car when he had that critical conversation with me mm-hmm. right I'm so grateful for that conversation I can never forget it you know I close my eyes it's like like happened an hour ago I don't think enough. Uh, Parents are having critical conversations uh, when it comes to these major uh, intersectional decisions of our life. Mm. And I'm not talking about brushing over it, but having 
a real critical dialogue about these kind of moments in life. Yeah. Right? What was that conversation? It was that, yo, dude, this is uh, not working. You know, I was obviously uh, uh, surprised that, uh, you know, my father was like willing to have this conversation with me and he actually allowed me to have the choice. Hmm. You know, and being a young man, I, you know, I took uh, potentially what was the easiest way out. Right. But then fast forward, uh, now keep in mind, I did graduate from Limcock Wing with honors. Nice, me too. <laughs> But uh, halfway in, I was having some struggles. Hmm. And uh, perhaps uh, I, uh, you know, when you quit something like high school or anything in life, hmm. uh, you giving up and quitting can become a habit. All right. And that is when uh, dad went, you know, full circle. I was struggling halfway through uh, my degree in Malaysia. Hmm. And uh, I was here for one of the holidays and we were having, again, a critical conversation about it. And uh, he said, if you quit this, Muhammad, you will regret it for the rest of your life. Now, back then, it didn't... Uh, been terrified. It, it didn't, you know, it, the lesson didn't really hit home like it does today. And I'm talking about something, I mean, I'm talking about conversations like that were 13 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. uh, every time I think about that moment, uh, I learned uh, probably one of the most important lessons uh, uh, that I've, of many lessons I've learned in life is that, you know, to uh, see something through and to follow something through, whether it's, uh, whether you like it or don't yeah. is super important yeah because you're gonna need that stamina later down the road in your life it's my understanding that the biggest determiner of success is not your intelligence or your creativity it's grit yeah sticking to it yeah exactly and getting beaten down but still going exactly because it's gonna be horrible it's gonna suck exactly but you're still gonna keep going And uh, uh, that's not something that you get taught in school. And uh, I've witnessed a lot of really, really smart people go nowhere, do nothing. It's because I think there's also also a risk um, that I've noticed, and I might be I may be wrong, that because I've noticed this with some of my cousins growing up, they were always told since their young age how smart they are. Oh, you're so smart! You're so smart! You're so smart! And so when they grew up, they grew up with the assumption that just because I am so smart, I don't need to do anything. I'm smart. But then nothing comes out of it because you're so smart. You don't need to push hard. You're smart. But the, those with insecurities like me, like <laughs> you got to push. It's, it's, it's funny. I'm personally struggling with this uh, dilemma right now. Mm -hmm. Um Of course, the hardest job in uh, anyone's life is to become a parent, to be honest. And as a parent... You're a parent of two. Yeah, two beautiful uh, daughters. Mm. I know their mom, Samiha, is making them listen to this. So, <laughs> baby, if you're listening, Sultana, Sari, I love you guys. Um, but often I find myself... Uh, now, obviously, you know, you think of the world of your firstborn, right? So I keep doing this mistake. Mm. I keep, you know... You know a lot of, you know, uh, hippie parents will tell you, you know, uh, 
well, well, positive re- affirmations, positive reinforcement, and all of that. Sure. But yo, this is not a German Shepherd. This is a human being. You know. <laughs> you know. Fair enough. All right. So let's give them some credit. And uh, sometimes I'm always, you know, doing positive reaffirmations, and I think it's significantly due to uh, to societal pressures and some blog article that shows up in my newsfeed. But uh, oh. I find myself when when I do wanna, you know, go like, "Hey, kid, you know, uh, no, you're not so smart." Ooh, isn't Let- that harsh, though? Yeah, but if any of the uh, Elder generation is listening to this. They'll be like, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> right? Look how we turned out." And they're not wrong, but yeah. the point is, um, I think too much of this political correctness mm. uh, is just uh, is saturating our space. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with me saying, "Hey, kid, you're you're a genius a hundred times, but mm. twice a year." Uh, I'm saying, hey, you know what? No, let's let's work on this. You got this wrong. Or to say no. It's so hard for me to say no to my kids, man. Yeah. That is not healthy. Hmm. Because boundaries are important. Uh, discipline is important. E- exactly. Right. Right. Uh, but uh, but I think what I was coming to with that example, and this is, again, I don't have kids, so I'm probably wrong, but I'll tell you what I read. That... It's not about the positive affirmations. Those those are good. It's about what are you uh, affirming? Because to say that you're smart is to take power away from your kids and just make them feel like this is something that's inherent in you, whether you have it or whether you don't. But if you gave positive positive affirmation when they do when they put effort, it's like wow, you really work hard, huh? That's something they have control over. They don't have control over how smart they are in the world. I think that's the idea there. It's like, what are you complimenting? You know? Exactly. You're complimenting their intelligence and then that's all they rely on and not hard work. Then that's a problem. I've seen this with my own, uh, you know, I'm not going to reference anyone in particular, but I've seen it. I I, I had a really, really weird situation, right? So, you know, I'm a busy, we're busy parents, you know? And uh, sometimes uh, YouTube International School is the best school out there, <laughs> right? Like I said, the internet saved my life. Mm-hmm. But you got to pick your content, of course, right? You can't have them watch anything. So uh, my uh, my eldest daughter, she's she's five years old now, had a weird, funny situation at school, mm-hmm. and it uh, and it and it brought me a lot of anxiety because I'm very nervous about her schooling experience. Okay, right. So what are you nervous about? Exactly. It's just uh, when I sent her to school the first uh, uh, for the first, you know, uh, she was ready to go to school just when COVID happened. So mm. we had to skip the whole KG one thing, and she jumped straight into KG two. And you know, she's you know she's she's a witty, smart kid like her dad. You know, <laughs> she's got her strengths, she's got her weaknesses, and all that. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, she is a unique individual. Um, but she likes her science. You know. Nice. So. So there I was, you know, I had just, uh, we had just dropped her off at school mm. and, you know, uh, my wife walks her in, mm. but, uh, my wife was really late to walk out. So I was wondering what's going on here. So I walk in looking for her and, uh, and this was just a few months ago and I, uh, get into the, uh, the KG headmistress's, uh, office, mm-hmm. right? 
And I'm like, oh yeah, we're discussing Sultana. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm game, I'm interested. Keeping in mind, I had an anxiety attack the day we dropped Sultana to school. Wow. You know, I had the anxiety attack. Like literally, I couldn't function that day. I was, you know, I've never had an anxiety attack in my life. And it was just my own trauma coming back, you know? Uh, and my, you know, my eldest daughter going to school, you know, I was, you know, yeah. I was freaking out, man. Anyway, so and this is, again, schools are so good at reminding us of uh, what is wrong with the system. And uh, the headmistress, the reason she delayed my wife and delayed us all from heading to the office was, mm. um, so they gave them an exercise the other day and they were asked to uh, paint a drop of water mm-hmm. blue. But my daughter, Sultana, was like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to paint it yellow. So, you know, the teacher's annoyed. Hey, kid, listen to the instruction, paint it blue. And my daughter goes like, well, uh, water is only blue because it's reflecting the color of the sky. Uh, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that. You know? You know? It's exactly the kind of thing that got me into trouble in school when I was in school, you know? <laughs> So you must have been really proud when you big heard time, that. Big time, man! Like super proud, you know? Like yes, stick it to the man or and the woman or in the that woman, case. Man, right? Uh, so obviously, I uh, I was not very happy to hear that. You know, uh, some schools uh, are. Uh, I thought we were, you know, educating future leaders and stuff. You know, all mm. that all that stuff uh, everybody likes to talk about. But uh, it turns out that schools are still trying to raise sheep. People who are very, very good at following instructions. Yeah. And memorizing. Yeah. Those two skills are, uh, seems like our school and, and systems was, are really good And this was at. one of the very good schools in town, you know. So I, I was uh, very disappointed at this particular situation. Mm. Perhaps it's not the institution's uh, uh, mistake, but uh, you really need to look at... Uh, Why wouldn't it be the institution's mistake? Um, oversight on teachers, because you know what's funny? Now they have to do, uh, because of COVID, they have to do a lot of their classes online. Yeah. And I think what a lot of, what a lot of schools are not realizing mm-hmm. that we need to, you know, babysit our kids through class on Zoom. Oh, I see. Which for the first time actually gives us access to the quality of the teachers and how they teach. <laughs> that, that information was never accessible to us as parents yeah, when you yeah, think yeah. about it, right? Yeah. So my message to uh, all teachers out there, hey. We're watching. We're also on that Zoom call, you know? <laughs> we're watching. I'll yeah. tell you what, we'll go out on a quick break. Sure, sure.